Are we rolling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sound. I'll sound. Speed. All right, guys. All right, one take. All right, mark it. All right, action. Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Film and You Win Show. I like movies, big, big movies, big movies. It's floating pictures, it's so great. Movies, so join us, everybody, for the Film and You Win Show. Well, hello, everyone. How's it going? Happy quarantine to all. It is the Film and You Win Show, and I am Max, and I'm joined my co-host my lovely co-host Juliet. hello and we have a special friend joining us welcome matt to the hi <laughs> hey everybody <laughs> the millions of listeners out there how you uh, doing a billion actually we're reaching a billion yeah. now so that's wonderful to hear i usually don't settle for less than a bill yeah um uh, so the um matt first off this is great to finally uh a long time listener first time caller um, mm-hmm. This is your first time on the show in podcast form, but uh, you have done this in uh, radio form when we were in college. Yes, uh, for Star Trek in 2009, I believe. Yes. 2008. Wow. And uh, Terminator Salvation. We covered that one really well. So. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. On my birthday, 2009. Uh, that was that a very was interesting one. So that's a blast from the past. But it's great now that you're here to join us in podcast form. So, Well, um, thank you. I feel very welcome. We're covering a movie called This Is The End. It came out about almost, what is it, like 10 years now? or No, not not quite 10 years. It's been like seven years now. It came out in 2013. Um, I guess before we get started this movie, we should address what's really going on right now. I hope everyone that's listening is safe right now. Uh, we're staying at home, as well as Matt. Uh, Matt, where are you right now? I'm in Arizona, uh, self-isolating, and uh, it's great. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, making the most of it. I mean, obviously, there's uh hope everyone that is listening, uh, the billion people that are listening right now, uh, staying safe. And uh, we're going to all get through this. And that's why I kind of picked this movie overall, because when I thought of quarantining, 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 quarantine, uh, quarantined, Quarantine's uh, day. this movie just came to my mind. Uh, I haven't watched this in a long time. I don't know I why thought, you thought of this one. <laughs> I thought it was uh, somewhat topical, so it's probably because we were fighting over a Milky Way the other day. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. You didn't didn't cut it perfectly. Yeah. Nope. So yeah, uh, of course we hope everyone is being safe. Uh, Juliet and I are um, stuck in our house in Austin. Matt, you're in Arizona, but uh, yeah, obviously, hopefully. Thank you for reminding me. People. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, we watched a movie um, about celebrities that quarant- quarantined together. <laughs> uh, celebrities that uh, you know get together in uh, quarantine, but they do not sing the song "Imagine" together. Yeah, it's they, crazy. They in fact uh, do other uh, silly things. Um, They're equally out. as unhelpful. Yes, <laughs> this is uh, definitely not a playbook of what to do when you're trying to survive. Maybe uh, what not to do. Um, like we mentioned, this movie came out about seven years ago, uh, directed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. They've done a few films together now, yeah. just a few. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, $32 million budget, and it is gross worldwide. It grossed $126 million. Damn. Um, surprising, pretty low budget for a movie that's full of uh, a lot of A-listers. That just wanted to hang out for free one day, probably. 
Well, Paul, uh, stop me if you've already heard this, but I just read that it's all they all took massive pay cuts to make that happen. They did. Yeah, yeah. I assume they all worked like just SAG scale. Yeah, um, yeah, they took a lot of pay cuts because obviously to get a movie like this done, what a sacrifice! They only made seven hundred dollars <laughs> that day. I know to go scale. party with their friends. <laughs> it looked like they had a lot of fun, though. I will say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, you know. Before we get straight into the film focus, I think that's what struck out to me first when I saw this movie. This looks like it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it does not seem like this was uh, in any way a stressful shoot to work on. It's basically hanging up in uh, James Franco's fictional house. <laughs> it's just uh, weird. Uh, it's just basically a lot of improv. Yeah. It felt like. so. Um, yeah. Matt, when's the last time? So uh, has it been a while? Because for us, it was kind of rewatching this movie. It's been some years now. Well, I literally of... haven't seen it since we saw it together, the opening night. That's right. We did see it in theaters together. Aw. That was I yeah, can't remember, I remember who I saw it with. It was pre this is pre Juliet. This is this is <laughs> yeah, this is pre grill for me. Um <laughs> Yeah, I saw this movie with you. I think this is right around the time I moved to Austin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was when did it come out? Was it like early summer? So it yeah, like, to, it was 2013. It was the summer of 2013. So uh, movies, you know, approaching what going to be like seven years old really soon. Wow, it, it's cool seeing all these actors right. like in a time capsule, like you know, freaks and geeks, and then like this <laughs> is now this is almost old. Like yeah, you know, it's so so weird. It makes me feel real old. Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> there is like some of it that. Now, kind of, this is like at the peak of everything coming out. I think um, Pineapple Express, you know, was like already out. Superbad was out. They kind of had this whole run, and it's now kind of seen what we at the time was the older versions. But now they have done so many more movies after that. It's kind of like you're kind of going back in this time frame where they all were at in their careers. Yeah, and I feel like I mean I don't know them personally, but it definitely felt <laughs> like there was some realness to some of their interactions, and like you know Jay Baruchel was not as successful as the rest of them, and I'm sure he has had thoughts similar to what he says in the movie. Or I'm not sure, but it seems like it's probable. It's, it seems like this kind of uh, overall, with even like the the short cameos that were in there, it felt like there was. Uh, I guess I'm trying to. I, I think you're a right. A bit of realis- realism behind the relationships, behind you know, there every joke has a little bit of reality in it, and I think that's what a lot of this was. I think, like Matt said, the relationship between Jay and Seth is probably like that. We know that Jay does live in Canada. He decided not to be an LA actor and. You know, he and James Franco have kind of created this thing with the two of them. They did a lot of projects together and are still doing a lot of projects together. And Jay's kind of like, had she's out of my league. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can think of uh, Knocked Up as a movie that they all did together. Right. Um, was Jay in that? Yeah. Jay was one of the roommates, and that was kind of Seth Rogen's breakout movie. Well, I mean, they had Freaks and Geeks, and then Judd Apatow kind of brought this group together because it had Jonah Hill, Jason Segel, Seth mm-hmm. Rogen, uh, Paul Martin Rudd, Star. Martin Starr, Jay. Yeah, about I it as far Freaks as, like, Geeks. yeah. So yeah. it kind of felt like there was uh, this kind of Freaks and Geeks reunion for some of them. Yeah. Um, even though not all of them were all together. So. And did you notice in uh, This is the End, Franco, I think, says Freaks Forever? Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he references that. That was cool. Um, yeah, a lot of references to their careers, and uh, I, f- I feel like it was kind of, uh, kind of making the caricature of 
who they all are and kind of like yeah. the persona that they all are. Like Craig Robinson really stuck out for me. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Michael Sarah. Yeah, Michael Sarah. <laughs> we'll talk about all that. Ass eight in the bathroom <laughs> with the juice box. A Capri Sun. So, that's a... Sippy time or whatever he says. <laughs> Do you want to sip? You got to use the potty, big boy. <laughs> Or daddy and then he gets here. impaled by the light post. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's just go ahead. Let's just break down this movie. What, what was all going on? So not a lot of plot. It is kind of just a watch what happens. Oh, sorry. Hang on. We, we got we got to go into the film focus now. So this is a time for spoiler. It's time to film focus on this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's do it. Let's focus. All right. All right so here, here's another. We're going to go into the film focus. Hey, hey, Hocus Pocus, it's the film focus. All right. Oh, I feel a lot more focused now. <laughs> okay, about now, you. It's, now it's time to focus. So not a lot of plot to really break down in this film. There's basically the main plot is James Franco has a party. Well, the main plot is that Seth Rogen's friend Jay is coming to town and they're going to hang out together. And then Seth's like, well, my buddy James got a party tonight. So let's go to James Franco's house for the party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it starts. So, I mean, the B plot is definitely their friendship that's underlined. But the main thing going on is the apocalypse happens. Judgment Day happens. And guess what? All these celebrities were not chosen to go to heaven. Spoiler alert. I think that's kind of that's the funniest part is that this huge rapture happens everywhere, um, all over the world, assumingly. Uh, L.A. is ablaze and they run back into the party and they literally have no idea because everyone in Hollywood is evil. So no one got raptured at all. Literally, yeah, and totally no one insulated was from the rest of the world. Yeah. So it makes makes total sense. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very interesting because um, there was a choice to make of how they were going to handle the rapture as well. Um, is everyone kind of in like blue light coming to take the people? I mean, it makes was kinda, sense to me. Yeah, because I mean, there's uh, some people would say we're in a judgment day of ourselves right now. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, it feels <laughs> similar to it, except with less giant dick demons, yeah, chasing yeah. around. Well, you're in Arizona. You have no idea what's going on in Texas. There's some <laughs> dick demons in Austin right now. Yeah, yeah, but we've been staying indoors, so uh, oh, doors are God. locked. Um, yeah, but a very, uh, yeah, I guess it was just like this uh, one night then everything just goes down people get sucked up into heaven but no one at james franco's party because everyone is just uh hanging Horrible. out and having a good time even rihanna even rihanna didn't get sucked yeah. up to heaven. an angel yeah and all the extras that were not celebrities <laughs> well they were at that party you know guilty um, by association so yeah the, and then uh, as you mentioned juliet the main b plot that is going on is that jay and seth rogan are reunited as friends they they're smoke very a lot of weed together friends, yeah but there's kind of this disconnect because jay does not like the la lifestyle and i guess more importantly he doesn't like jonah hill he hates jonah hill who's who's just a a gem yeah I mean, he was i do think he was a cunt in the movie like they call him uh, <laughs> Uh, what's Jonah, the... you cunt. I think Danny McBride says that. Yeah. Well, because he, uh, yeah, skipping ahead when Danny McBride's leaving, he's like, listen up. Everyone's like, Jonah, you're just a cunt. <laughs> um, I think the first thing that we get of Jonah Hill is uh, he adopted a Cocker Spaniel. Yes. Uh, <laughs> named, uh, well, what's the name? It starts with like a J. It's like Ajunta or. It's, I, I oh, know. Aja. 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 <laughs> this is a, um, a Jonah Hill that I love because it's like, it's so 
ridiculous. Just this caricature is so ridiculous. And you imagine in your head that everyone is like, oh, my God, no, he's an angel. He's like the nicest guy in the world. But then you know that, like, he's an actual cunt underneath it all. <laughs> That's what I love. Yeah. I love that that point with these celebrities. And it was like a, a caricature of what John Hill turned into after, you know, the Oscars. I'm sure he's still a nice guy, but he had, the I think, the craziest evolution of them all. Yeah, he really did. Um, even looking back at, I think the first time I recognized Jonah Hill was the early movies with like Grandma's Boy, and uh, a forty-year-old version. Virgin. Yeah, he <laughs> he's just trying like, to yeah. buy the shoes. <laughs> he was very large too. They, yeah. He's been an interesting actor of uh, really big. Then Twenty One Jump Street, and then it's kind of Moneyball. Yeah, and then they just all of a sudden he's like an Oscar-nominated actor out of all of them. Yeah, I don't think any of the yeah. other ones have flirted with like awards such as that. Mm-mm. I can't think Did he of Well, anything? James Franco won a Golden Globe for, for, for oh, artists. Yeah, for the disaster artist. No, for Disaster Artist. That's right. He did win the Golden Globe. Really? For, uh, yeah, Best, best Actor. Uh, I think Jonah yeah. Hill, uh, just off the top of my head, I believe he was nominated twice. I know for Moneyball, he was nominated mm-hmm. for Supporting Actor. And I believe also, I, I want to say it was for the Scorsese movie, Wolf of Wall Street. I believe he was I nominated for so. like a Golden Globe. Yeah. God, he was so good in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Jonah Hill is a very exceptionally like awesome actor. Um, I mean, all these guys are really great in their own way, but I love the range of Jonah Hill. And uh, it seems like Jonah Hill has no problem making fun of who Jonah Hill is. <laughs> well, it's like none of them have any problem. And to me, I, I love that quality in actors, comedians, that you don't not taking themselves too seriously. Uh, fun fact, when uh, reading this, I was going to kind of save this for later, but uh, while we're on the subject, I guess Evan Goldberg had a kind of a game that he played while he directed a lot of scenes of trying to get these actors to say no to doing things to just test the boundaries <laughs> of like what would they do and i guess and michael sarah clearly never said no <laughs> um yeah but, but it turns out the only one that never said no to anything was seth rogan and james franco yeah basically he went out of his way after a while of like well let's get him to do this and he's like okay cool i'll do that sure and uh I don't know what these specific things were, but he said basically at least one of them said no to doing some kind of stunt. And James Franco's like, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do this. That's awesome. Um, and like Michael Sarah, I guess he only stipulation he had was that he got to wear that jacket, the bright jacket. Yes, for some yeah. yes. They basically, when casting Michael Sarah, they didn't think he would go for it because of just how awful his character right. is in the movie but he said i'll yeah. do this role if i can wear this windbreaker <laughs> um that's a th- let's start with michael Sarah because he's kind yeah. of like the highlight i would feel of the first act of this film everything else has funny moments but it's just the the shock appeal of just michael Sarah seen in this light um, right yes pretty insane uh slapping rihanna's ass uh doing cocaine of course yes there's three-way in the bathroom there's the bathroom scene <laughs> um do you think this was because michael sarah was just ready to rid of his typecastness because I, I uh i think up to this point it was just he's the juno guy he's the george michael bluth yeah it's just kind of the kid yeah and it's also i think making fun of people who try to break their uh, typecasting so hardcore that like that's what he's doing. It's like to the but I don't extreme. think he's right. like really trying to do it. I think it's just more of a joke. But I also think that it's this idea of all of his characters are kind of the awkward nerd, and he's in interviews. He just seems like an awkward nerd. There's memes with him with his little mustache, and people are making fun of you know like we think Michael Sarah just like wandered onto a movie set someday and was like 
oh, well, I guess I'm an actor now. And so it was kind of breaking his own typecast that everyone has given him in life of being this awkward nerd by being like, no, he's just the worst person ever. <laughs> and, and I think that's probably what was like the, the funniest contrast for this movie yeah. is I bet in real life, Michael Sarah is probably the sweetest guy to work with. I mean, I as far as to differ. Have you yeah, I bet the I bet I feel like James Franco is probably the one that's maybe closest to an asshole, but I don't know I don't know any of them personally. Yeah, I don't know any of them personally. I mean, I know Rihanna really well. Yeah. So um. I feel like Craig Robinson is an angel, and I will <laughs> you'll never tell me otherwise. He just seems like he'd be great to have at any party. Any party, he'll bring his keyboard. Yeah. Yes, awesome. it's like he's playing keyboard in everything I see. <laughs> yeah, everything, even the office. He plays. Yeah. The office. <laughs> Weird. Um, so go along with like Michael Sarah when we kind of get this moment around at the party and get into just see all the celebrities that are here. It kind of feels like they all have a social commentary of like making fun of their career. I think Jason Siegel also stood out to me, where he's basically. Yeah. Kevin Hart is also making fun of himself in the same scene where he's just like... Kevin Hart's I... just trying to get on camera as much as Kevin Hart can. Yeah. Oh, and that was like right before he exploded, right? Like Totally. Yeah. He would never do this movie now. No, not at all. But it's like felt like all of a sudden when I first saw this movie, I didn't really know exactly who that was. Yeah. To the point now I'd be like, oh, here's Kevin Hart. So well, it was kind the, of pre-Hart. He's, he's probably... Is, do you think he's the wealthiest person that was in this movie? Uh, Like now? As of now, yeah, I think I think he's probably the wealthiest person in the like that was in this movie. Paul Rudd's in this movie. Yeah, but can, like, he's I in feel literally like, everything. <laughs> but like selling at selling out arenas and stuff, like yeah, Kevin Hart, like, I mean that's a yeah. good point because the rest oh wait, of them... Rihanna. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably Rihanna. It's probably up there with Kevin Hart and Rihanna, and probably Martin yeah. Starr. Yes, because Martin, Martin Starr was in Spider Man. Quite so. wealthy. <laughs> wait, Martin Starr was. In this? Yeah. Yes. He's, he's hanging in the um uh sinkhole well, yeah, at one point. He falls in the sinkhole, but he's also like in a few other shots because I think what? I thought that was Star- Dimitri Martin. No. No, it's, it's Martin Star. Star. Oh my god. I met I met Martin Starr. Oh, there you go. So you know him personally. And, but I still can't recognize him in a sinkhole. <laughs> Did you meet <laughs> him in a sinkhole? No, I that met must him be why. Time. You had to be yeah. there. For the yeah, record, though, totally Dim- right. Dimitri Martin was raptured, so he actually got sent up to heaven because he's, he's Dimitri. Oh, I feel so, so dumb now. I was like, "Yeah, that's Dimitri Martin. That's why they keep saying Martin." Yeah, the one guy they called by his last name. Right. Yeah. Aziz Ansari was in it. Mindy Kalik was in it at yeah. one point. Um, and then also there was like kind of some reunions. There's the Freaks and Geeks reunion mm-hmm. as well because you saw like Martin Starr, Jason Segel. Seth Rogen, James Franco, mm-hmm. like they're all kind of in scenes together. There's the super bad um, uh, moment yeah. by the pool where Michael Cera blows a bunch of cocaine in McLovin's face. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, what's his coke smell like or something like that? He's yeah. like, I've never done coke before. I've never done coke before. And he's like, it's okay, baby, I'll walk you through it. And he's like, you got some on your mustache. <laughs> um, God, that was great. Yeah, and it's it's these little moments you're like, oh, this is a super bad reunion. Yeah. It's kind of a... Well, I feel like you're there. Like, it, You feel like you're you know, one of the cool kids at that party, like, cause it, it is fascinating to me thinking about growing up being one of these people that this is who you're with forever. You know, like the freaks and geeks people, Judd Apatow brings you up and I don't know. It seems like a really interesting life. And that also makes sense looking at this of why everyone would want to be in this movie right. to take a pay cut to just make this film work. Because I think it was a very unique experience. Right. Um, and the party is so great. It's almost like I'd rather just watch, 
an hour and a half right. of this fictional party. And 95 party. of these celebrities were just there for one night to shoot this party scene. And, yeah. And some of them show up again at the uh, In Heaven. Spoiler alert. So, Did you see where they filmed it? Because I was surprised. Oh, it's in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, I was definitely surprised oh. by that. Yeah, uh, another fun fact about that. It was supposed to be in L.A. to make the schedules work. Um, but basically because they had to make the budget a lot smaller, they ended up moving it to New Orleans and New Orleans, New Orleans, uh, the big easy. And, uh, uh, fortunately everyone can make it work still. Now it makes sense that everyone was sweating all the time. Yes. Because hell was literally on earth. (laughs) But I mean, that's crazy for everyone to still come in. I know nothing about scheduling actors and what their life is like, but. I feel like to fly out, to work for a day, right? you know, I don't know. It seems like. Show, yeah. What like, a bizarre. I wonder how many of them just flew in that morning to shoot and then fly home that night or the next I morning. Mean, probably a bunch of them. And I just feel like if it's someone like, you know, Seth Rogen, that's kind of connected with a lot of them. And uh, I think it's like a film that will make this work. I want to be a part of this yeah. scene. Yes. Um, yes, I was sad the most when Jason Siegel died because I would have really loved to see Jason Siegel surviving with these guys. I think that would have been. <laughs> yeah, he's fun. great. He's another like uh, Berche type, you know, where he still has had, he's had more success than Jay, but still like not on the level of Seth or Franco or right. any of the other people. I'm almost curious if he's like almost too cool to be a part of this this crew in the movie because it's like you think about the different characters they had Seth and uh. Seth and James are are kind of like the best friends um, that you've seen in a lot of different movies together. Uh, Jason Siegel, when he was in Knocked Up, when he was in This Is 40, he was always a little too cool. Like he was always kind of like, yeah, kind of the douchey guy, but also he's just like eight feet tall and uh, yeah. likes to be naked a lot. And, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then you've got Craig Robinson, who's just the, the chubby black guy that plays keyboard all the time. <laughs> right. Danny McBride, who's just an amazing shit show. Um, God, Jay is the like, nerd. God, ugh. he's so great. But it's like you have all of these different these characters. He Jason Siegel, I think, would stand out a little too much with his just kind of coolness i think and i think i uh, mean and he's also just giant like you said he's gigantic yeah he was uh his first passion was basketball he yeah. played like at a big high school like played against uh future nba players yeah. uh, i don't know any but i know that he was big into high school basketball like he dunk and everything and then kind of went the acting route mm-hmm. but jason siegel also has a sneaky resume like he's a composer like he wrote forgetting sarah marshall and also yeah. like starred in it and wrote the music for it i uh, wrote the music for the muppets movie uh, oh yeah i feel because they were supposed to make more of those and then all fell apart yeah, yeah. and um i think like he kind of did knocked up and then had how i met your mother mm. and that was like a huge oh dude that's Duh. why he's he's made so much money off of that like he totally. is golden yeah. for life and well that's what they're making fun of with kevin hart in that scene is he's making fun of a bit from um uh, how i met your mother he's like well yeah you know like we were doing this scene the other day and i have some cake on my face and i'm like She's like, who ate the cake? And I'm like, what cake? And then Kevin Hart starts laughing. He's like, because you ate the cake, right? <laughs> so uh, the rapture happens, though, mm-hmm. and these people got to die. <laughs> Basically, you know, Jay and Seth, uh, I think Jay wants to go buy some cigarettes. So they leave the party to go to the gas station. That's where they experience the rapture happening. Head, to, head back to James Franco's mansion, his fortress, mm-hmm. uh, as he calls it. No one's been raptured. And the party's just normal. <laughs> 
Uh, but then a giant sinkhole happens, and it, uh, of course, we see Michael Sarah get impaled by a light post. Because oh, he can't find his. <laughs> is, he, is he the first death? He is that uh, we the, see of the celebs. Yes. Yes. Because he, everyone runs outside because they think it's the earthquake, right? Right. And then Michael Sarah's like, "Hold up, who took my cell phone?" And, and he's freaking yes, out. Yeah, the light post goes through coke him. Moves. Yeah. I've wasted so much coke on you guys. <laughs> The light pole goes through him, and then he finds it in his pocket. And he says, that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, bleeding. Man, I remember in the theater that being so shocking. I know. Like, oh, God. But, like, instantly I fell in love with it. Yeah, there's something God. overall with this film that it's kind of, like, gross-out humor and gross-out violence that just kind of it found this way to work together so right. well. Yeah. I, I, I was saving this kind of – I'm kind of stealing from a quote, but uh, Roger Ebert loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we get into more, but he did have that quote – he said, I think he gave it four stars, and he said, This is the end finds a balance of tone most horror comedies always fail to deliver. Gross-out humor melds easily with gross-out horror, sometimes at the same moment, and that's why this movie works. <laughs> um, and I think that just sums it up, though. When you yeah. look at this whole film, they have like a lot of gags. Like Later, you see like the head get chopped off, and they're like playing kickball with it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they're talking about wanting to jizz all over the house and uh, yeah that was great the, yeah. the coming yeah. that was awesome <laughs> come speech was, uh, what did danny mcbride say it was a come for help yeah, <laughs> yeah. tears out of the tip of my dick bros <laughs> i've been doing so much coming i guess it's time to get going <laughs> oh, i love his like when he's like who 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 buys porno mags anymore you designed a fucking house with ipads in the walls <laughs> he's like i like to read yeah. Oh, oh, love it. So most of the celebrities fall through this sinkhole, and now they're kind of uh, – the group is Franco, Rogan, Jay, Jonah Hill, and Craig Robinson are the survivors. Yes. Um, we don't know what happened to Paul Rudd. We never saw him fall in the sinkhole. But uh, what did you guys think of Paul Rudd's cameo? In this? I love uh, that Paul Rudd strange. brought a giant bottle of champagne. <laughs> I didn't even I, I didn't even think about that his prop yeah. I wonder like why they chose that and he just when the sinkhole already happened he's like what's happening what's happening and he's running with this bottle of champagne and then he ends up uh, stepping on this like one random this extra's like face head. and squeeze it like oh, yeah. squishing yeah, it he's like sorry Ziz and sorry's arm gets ripped off because Paul Rudd obviously would have been raptured immediately I guess not <laughs> I mean, he seems uh, – he's like a, a treasure. Have you seen that Nintendo commercial from the 90s with him in it? No. No. Oh, my God. You got to see it. You got to see it. <laughs> we will. We'll do a filming you in for that commercial. Um, please. <laughs> thank you. Commercial edition. Just, just breaking down this commercial for an hour. Um, one more thing before we move on with the sinkhole. I also want to give a shout out to David Krumholtz. Um, oh, yeah. Him and Jay are hanging in the sinkhole. And he says, all right, you're going to have to swing me. Yes. <laughs> It's like, and then he just keeps the joke going. I'm gonna put my whole weight, my whole weight, and you're gonna swing me. All right, I can do it. He's like, my whole body weight. Gonna, you can do it, right? Yeah. You can do it, right? They have enough time in all this chaos to have this like pretty thorough conversation about my body weight, and it just doesn't work out. Uh, David Crumholtz dead. Yeah, to put it lightly, it does not work out for him at all. So 
it's time to survive. These are surviving members. Uh, they have their first night together. Uh, they go through their inventory list. They have a Milky Way bar. They have a bunch of vodka. They got water. I mean, they're good. They have enough to kind of kind of like how we started our quarantine. They went through everything and said, we will be fine for, you know, two weeks. We're good. Yeah. And then the next week we went back to the liquor store. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, normal, normal stuff. Normal thing. Um, so this breakdown, though, what happens to all their supplies? Because our antagonist has to enter the movie, and this is one and only the man himself, Danny McBride. This might have been my first Danny McBride experience, because I'm trying to think back to, like, because I didn't watch Eastbound um, and, East and Down. Okay. So I wow. didn't really know who he was until this movie, and I just remember being like, who is this wonderful human that but has come into my you, life? You watched Pineapple Express before this because he plays Red in Pineapple Express. Oh, that's true. It did come out first because yes. they had a bunch of that stuff. Maybe I, I don't know. I've never well, seen that with you, Max. Uh, Pineapple Express? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Does it count as seeing a movie if you two didn't see it together? Yes. I can name every movie I saw with Max. Whoa. But you know that. But that's for another episode. Of <laughs> he has a tattoo on Matt's his thigh. Memory. Maxing you in. It's like, yes. Every, every we see a movie, he's like, I got to go to the tattoo. I got to go get another Max tattoo. I cannot forget this. <laughs> Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Do not, I did forget that movie. So, um, so Danny McBride is clearly our antagonist in the film. Um, he plays... I thought what was most interesting about Danny McBride's role in this film is sometimes there's a lot of times where people kind of go like Danny McBride's a little bit too much, a little too over the top. He kind of plays the same character. And it's kind of like when Kenny Powers started, that was kind of like just Danny McBride playing Danny McBride. What's going on? What? <laughs> You're making some soup or something? Sorry. God, I didn't think you could hear that. It's a, it's a Yeti with a straw in it. <laughs> I was like, are you on the toilet? Yeah, I'm doing construction. I thought I was doing it really quietly. I thought it was like, Matt's just like, I'm going to take a shower real quick. Yeah, I just put it on the speaker. Phone. speaker. Showering your, your earbuds in. Showering you oh, in. Embarrassing. Party foul. Um, that would be great, though. We should just do this all from the bathtub next time. We might if it gets real bad in quarantine. Yeah. But yeah, well, as Matt uh, fixes his drink, uh, what I was saying, though, Matt. <laughs> what, I, what I was thinking with Danny McBride is there's been some complaints that Danny McBride just kind of plays Danny McBride in all right. his roles. And I think Kenny Powers brought that out for the most part because it was kind of that persona that he always kind of brings in right. all his characters. This was his one opportunity to play Danny McBride as a character. So it kind of felt like that added to just... It was just perfect. Right. I think it was just It perfect. was amazing. Yeah. It was um, the best part of the movie. Yeah. Like, no one is happy that he's there. His first act is to wake up, smoke a bunch of weed, pee on top of the toilet seat, <laughs> and then cook all of their supplies. Cook all their food, wash his feet with their bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> the, I love, my favorite shot is when there's all the empty water bottles and he, like, smashes it off with the back of his hand. Just like, that was just a normal thing he was going to do regardless. I loved it when he took the big jug and poured it all over his face. Yes. <laughs> After they and just wasted them. it all. I love it. You all ganged up on me and forced me to do this. I weigh 150 pounds more than him. Yeah. Why should we get the same amount of water? <laughs> Which is valid. Uh, I like also, I mean, he just was full, like, he was on fire in this movie. I'd, I'd say he was probably the best part of this film. I don't yeah. think the film is the same thing without Danny McBride yeah. just being this uh, this 
just yeah this antagonist throughout the whole movie yeah i mean i'll say the the supporting cast definitely was outshining the leads in this movie well i mean i was just gonna say the same thing like, i yeah. think danny mcbride he's so commanding in his like, comedic presence that it's best to sprinkle him mm-hmm. in, instead of the entire movie you know like yeah i love that he came in just <laughs> just fucked it up and left he's kinda, and then we meet him again later yeah he's that guy that can just enter the scene and then just like ch- completely change what it is and uh i mean that's a very powerful trait that he has he can just command whatever the humor is the improv it just everything that he can do it's just it always just works yeah yeah um, it literally always does he's just most people that his like facial expressions are just funny like, after he eats all the supplies clearly doesn't know what's happened in the world because he's oblivious to it all he goes like, chill out, guys. Yeah. I think the Green Goblin can afford some more bacon. Because <laughs> there was, there was, there was these moments where they're taking little like little jabs at their careers. Yeah, you know, like throughout. This I love thing. that. It was so it was like great. It was something like uh, secret and private. Right. Yeah. I think it was the the feeling of access you get. Now, granted, we all are yes. are big movie people. We love movies. We 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 enjoy learning about movies before and after we see them too. We're nerds, let's be clear. But the, mm-hmm. the access that you feel like you've just gotten to these people that you admire and enjoy was spectacular. Because it's like, we're going back to Danny McBride as a character. He's playing all of these Danny McBride roles that you've been seeing. And you're like, I wonder what he's like in real life. Well, now they've just told us that he's pretty much like that in real life, which most likely isn't true. But damn, is that fucking fun. That Danny McBride yeah, is the be, like, like, be part funniest of villain. The funniest villain. Yeah, I want to, I want to be stranded with them during the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, James Franco is having a video confessional where he's clearly just ripping on Danny McBride. Now he's stuck here. Didn't even invite him to my party. And then he's like <laughs> eavesdropping. He's like, what are you doing over here? A little video confession. He's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> are you peeing? No. Juliet's pouring wine. Out of a box. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Living on that box early, line. Love it. But yeah, uh, with Danny McBride aside, just going along, I thought it was really interesting overall like, how they did make fun of a lot of their careers because there is the video camera for 100, uh, 127 hours. It says video camera from 27 hours. <laughs> well, I like hours. that Seth Rogen said 27 and then corrected himself as 127 Yeah, <laughs> then he, he actually changes it on the legal pad, like 127 hours. Uh, oh, the I have something to say about that. Boys. I have something to say about that. So when they were recording their video diaries, it would always flash this like red color. And I kept trying to pay attention because it was just showing that like it was cutting out or there was a little bit of static. But it kept flashing this red and orange color. I think those were screen grabs of the movie because he was in this like kind of orange. Oh, I didn't even know. And that. he was wearing that red shirt. Like I think they like if you would were to pause the movie, you might see screen grabs from 127 hours. Just a theory. It's like Apocalypto. Mel Gibson hiding in it. Yeah. Oh. Ever see that? <laughs> no, I actually never saw. He looks like yeah. Google it when when we're done. It's, um, it's freaky. That was interesting. I didn't even notice that. I just thought they were yeah. kind of going for the effect, but you're they're. He's taping over 127 He's taping over footage. things that he shot with 127 hours video camera. Um, but yeah, That like, is great. Just, I did not catch that. Yeah, just making fun of their careers, though, overall. It was great. Like oh, the, yeah. the prop guns from Flyboys. Um, later, when they get the water, there's a cardboard cutout <laughs> of the Green, Green Goblin. Goblin. Um, well, then they go in the, the basement. He's like, oh, a box from Spider-Man 3. Like, <laughs> just shit. Like, I loved that. Yeah. Everyone hates Spider-Man 3. 
Yeah, and what, what did uh, Danny McBride said to Jonah Hill? Like he went around the room because they're trying to convince him that a lot of stuff went down last night. Yeah, he's like Seth. That's a better performance than I've seen in your past five mo- movies. Fatalities. And Fatalities. then yeah, Jonah Hill. He's like You're Fatalities. Like, You're an Academy Award nominated actor. Fatalities. You gotta sell that. Fatalities. <laughs> I love when Danny McBride forces the gun into his mouth and he's like, I knew you wouldn't do it, nerd, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I also like Jonah Hill with the gun where it's like, bang, 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 bang. Yes. <laughs> I think the one he's like, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to kill myself. Um, and you totally expect in that moment someone to get someone shot. Someone to get shot. Well, the way the, yeah. That was but I like they didn't because I was like, wait, what? Because you're on edge, you know, mm-hmm. just like they are. Oh man! And after the Sarah scene, you don't know what to expect anymore. So, is there anything else we should talk about with Danny McBride? Because I mean, there's just so yes. much of McBride. I mean, anything else we want to bring up? His hat, the skull hat. Yeah, but he's a cannibal. <laughs> he, can we talk about that yet, or is it too early? No, let's just do it. Let's, yeah, we're, let's go like, all uh, it's, We're in quarantine, he instantly man. <laughs> resorts to cannibalism within a like a day of the apocalypse. If that, yeah, and he's wearing a human skull. He's like, we're cannibals now. I'm like, whoa, a lot, a lot of time has passed. I love it. Yeah. It's so perfect. That's like so he's bad. at home in the apocalypse. Um, he's thriving. He's, he's the leader. And his his exit from the house, the double uh, middle fingers through the fog. Yes, like backing out. Love it. Um, so good. Yeah, that was like when so they finally kick him out. Of course, he shoots the prop gun at everyone. And then he's like, You were going to send me out there with blanks? You just tried to kill us all. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> you just, yes. oh we, we missed someone who might actually be the wealthiest person in this movie Hermione. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Who, yeah. I'm going to stand by it and I'm going to get murdered by all the Potterheads out there, myself included. Uh, but she's a terrible actor. I have never seen her <laughs> do well in a movie as an actress. I did. I thought her she was kind of jarring, but her the person they're supposed to get would have been a lot better, I think. Oh. I know who that is. Juliet Juliet. I'm sure. I Max, take Ooh, it away. It's Mila Kunis. Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Mila Kunis. No, it's Danny yeah, McBride. So it's it's wear very wig. similar. Oh. Uh, see, Mila Kunis I would be entertained by, but I feel like she can, hold her, she can hold her, her own a little too well with those guys that I think it wouldn't have been as jarring as Hermione was. I do like what Danny McBride says, though, and it kind of works. Like, Hermione Granger just... Or Granger, 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 Hermione, Hermione just, Granger just stole all our shit. I mean, that line I really works. Like what they said from... her. <laughs> yes, like, but I'm and then when she, you know, did you notice the bag they hand over is the bag from uh, Pineapple Express? Oh, <laughs> yeah, the bag that she steals movie. everything in is from Pineapple Express. It's a prop. It's great. <laughs> Oh, that's once again another jacket for movies. It's so good. Um, obviously, there's the other part is where they recreate Pineapple Express two uh, yes. during the drug scene. So, I'm sure you guys have done more research than me, but I did hear that that was an actual for real idea for Pineapple yes. Express two. Is that correct? Yes, that uh, from I mean, what that I read. Yeah, correct. from what I read as well, uh, that they just went ahead and scene and just talked about. They're just their like this movie's never going to be made, so <laughs> let's just make it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, one more Danny McBride-ism, and then we'll uh, 
maybe move on to other parts of this movie. We'll come back to Danny McBride. I do McBride, like when sure. uh, they're trying to dig for water. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, him and James Franco have a back and forth, which is clearly all improv about jizzing. Um, where he's like, you jizzed in my magazine. It's like, it was sometimes when I jerk it so hard. So when I, do, when I, I tug on it a lot, it comes out. I'm sure it's like that for you as well. Um, and he's like, it's like a fire hose. It's out of control. You just gotta <laughs> hang on and like pray it doesn't get in your I'll eyes. Come all mouth. over these walls. I've been I've been dropping loads all over this place. Stop coming to my house. Like a dump truck. Yeah. And then I think my favorite line though is when that whole exchange is over. He goes, ah, oh, like referring to like continuing to keep digging for water. He's like, I can't do this anymore because I'm too thirsty. And the bitter irony of all this is I won't quench my thirst until I finish doing this. <laughs> was he the one that started walking away and he was like i've gone too far now he's like yes. well no you can come back he's like no it's like i have walked too far away I've walked too far i cannot turn back i'm gonna make a bold prediction that we will see danny mcbride play joe exotic in the future oh yeah a thousand percent he's going to joe <laughs> yeah whenever films can start up again i've seen danny mcbride definitely reference yeah. the most uh as far as the internet and the obsession with Tiger King, yes. uh, it seems like Danny McBride's kind of the shoe in. But I mean, that's almost like too easy. But I also like the other way to go, and that's uh, I'd want Brad Pitt to play Joe Exotic if it was going to be like, I was like thinking, sort of serious but still funny. Yeah, that or I thought Robert Downey Jr. might be really good at it too. Oh. I think because uh, he can be kind of he died in the <laughs> end game. He's, he's not. He doesn't act anymore. My, my bad. Spoiler, we're not covering Endgame. All right. We, it's going to be a long quarantine. So, um, Danny McBride, it's clear he's a gem in this movie. Without him, like I, I, I think it's just he uh, took the comedy and the improv that was existing in there and just – he's just like, you know – if it was like sports or whatever, he like threw for like 500 yards and like six touchdowns or something like that. He just kind of is on fire in this film. And uh, yeah, he was makes me just NBA jam style. NBA jam. He's on fire. Um, anybody From downtown, anybody else for you, Matt or uh, Juliet that you also thought is notable of like just on fire in this film. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are good, but like what's at the, is there something else that's uh, competing with Danny McBride at the level of this? Yeah, I can't say compete with Danny McBride, but I did laugh, I think, every single time Jonah Hill was doing anything. Yes, Jonah Hill was exactly. really great yeah. as well. I feel the same exact way. Yeah. Um, one, they're like, uh, Wendy, is it that compelling when they're trying to exercise him? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, honestly, it's not that compelling, though. <laughs> this, um, I want to I I talk specifically about the exorcism of Jonah Hill, uh, but this is, let's save that for a little later because that um, – Yes, that's amazing. And Jonah Hill, Polans- we call it Polanski Hour. <laughs> Polanski Hour. Um, <laughs> if I could nominate one more person, though, oh, kind of a, a an underrated person in this film because there's just so much going on, mm-hmm. was Craig Robinson for me. Yeah, uh, there's something about Craig Robinson. Robinson. Craig Robinson. We call him Mister Mister um, Rogers. Mister Rogers. <laughs> you know, him as an actor, he's he's a fa- fantastic comedian and actor. Yeah. I do love him. Like, obviously, came up in the office. But as far as his role with this group of guys, these group of actors, he really just has Pineapple Express. He's kind of new to being a part of this kind of clique, right? And I thought he performed like, um, like exceptionally well he's out of place because he's older than the rest of them 
Except I've for maybe Danny thing. McBride. Yeah. Um, but he fits in so well it, as this character, and he doesn't become like the fatherly figure of them or anything like that. He just becomes like, I am part of this crowd, but do I want to be part of this crowd? I don't know. And that's that's kind of Craig Robin Mitha Rogers. <laughs> I think that like they just got him in there because they knew he was down to like do anything and just right. be a goof with everyone else. Like well, who else could have done come that? To, who else could have done that? Hmm. Like who else would have fit in but not fit in in that kind of way? Huh. The Rock. <laughs> Dude, they'd be saved so fucking fast. Um, yeah, I thought Craig Robinson really, because they're all playing characters of themselves, and we haven't really seen um, him get that opportunity yet to exist in this kind of improv world as yeah. much. I mean, Pineapple Express, he was great in that as well, but that was kind of a small supporting role. He really takes on one of the lead roles and actually had some surprising like depth to his character because there's the moment with him and Jay earlier where he's kind of, listening to him about this being the rapture and you know like being a good person and then he has he's the first one out of all of them to self-sacrifice himself and to find the loophole that you can still be saved you know and of course he has a dick tent the whole time that was he does have a dick tent (laughs) i didn't i don't remember that at all and i just watched it it's it's the uh sculpture of the the penis that they have and he calls it his dick tent because he uses it and puts a like makes a fort (laughs) for himself oh yeah it's during the so good it's it's a really awesome moment too it's it's during the montage or kind of like the series of cuts where it's showing them preparing like to like hunker down for the night after it first originally happened and there's a beat where he goes like I think uh, Jay and Seth Rogen are duct taping cracks in this concrete wall, mm-hmm. and he goes, "Yeah, sounds great." Y'all want anything with this dick? <laughs> <laughs> and then he like kind of grabs it and like slowly starts dragging it across the floor, <laughs> and it kind of takes a break in this whole montage. And they did a great job making it look like it was heavy. <laughs> yeah, and then later with Jay because they they ran for a supply run. He's like, you know, we could just stay here. I don't want to go back to that house. He's like, you don't have to sleep under a dick. And he's like, I like my dick tent. <laughs> Like Jay, he was, it, I don't know. He wanted the character. He wants to be liked, but he's such an asshole, and he doesn't realize it because he just thinks everyone else is the asshole. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Um, I, we might as well just take that as a transition, though. Um, him and Seth Rogen in general, like you know, what, like you know, what's your thoughts on their relationship and how they both kind of act? Yeah, the movie? I mean, the question they're the main characters. We're supposed to, we, we first see them and then we first see them at the yeah, end. Yeah, the question is, what's the reality of this? Is there still some animosity in there with Jay? Because here's the thing, he's Canadian. They never have any animosity anyway. But I'm Sorry, they say sorry. They say sorry. Um, <laughs> they go to Degrassi. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he I, I can't imagine that he's like, fuck, Fuck Jay, fuck, uh, fuck James Franco, fuck Jonah Hill, and all that stuff. That's sure. clearly like exaggerated and funny. But you wonder if there's still like a little bit of a like, who who brought up like, hey, so Jay, we're gonna have you play the guy that's the least successful out of all of our friends. Yeah, how do you go. approach that subject? <laughs> Honestly, right? like, how do you do that? With unless it your was friend? like, unless Seth was and and Goldberg were like, hey, so we wrote this movie right, right. uh we've got this we have a couple different characters are you available to do the full thing we'd love for you to do the lead role if you're available and clearly he's available uh, yeah yes. I, I think what it, i think it it was interesting because you know there's a lot of like truth in these uh jokes and i think that's what we're getting at is like how does it come up of like 
Jay and Seth are friends, but he doesn't like really enjoy his LA friends. I think the idea at first would be like, you know, James Franco is comfortable enough with themselves that he can play like that dick role. Like he's the asshole. So it'd be like, maybe it comes from the idea of like, if the apocalypse happens, where's the like last place you like locked up with James Franco at his mansion. <laughs> so it might've like started there and then trickled down to like, okay, well what can be our, who are the people that we see through the journey of this? And I think it kind of landed on Seth and Jay's friendship coming into town and maybe like, I don't want to be stuck here with these people. And maybe that was, but it's interesting like how it's specifically Jay though. Um, but maybe they have went through like those hurdles in their friendship over the yeah. years. And maybe That's this true. is just, it's, it is something very personal because that like those little glimpses of like the realness in this movie, despite it being, you know, uh, fantasy or sci-fi horror or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's what kind of like that heartbeat. It's got a heart. Um, that's what makes me kind of love it because it just feels real despite the giant dick demons. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. So it's also, this whole movie is based on Jay and Seth versus the apocalypse, which was a short film in 07 uh, written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um, and it was starring Seth and Jay. So it was like a nine minute short. Oh, Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is kind of like, but then did it also take place at James Franco's house or is it? So it's two actors have to shut themselves up in their apartment and they argue over the, their predicament during this like end of the world event. Yeah. Okay. So they're just stuck in an apartment. So this was meant to be in it the whole time. Yeah. And so so that's how you get him to do it. Yeah. It was based upon their dynamic, the two of them. And then I guess that was 07. So here we are flash to 2013. They're famous as fuck. Yeah, their lives changed sure. so much. Their lives changed so much. So now it was like, well, let's go bigger they're on not, this one. They're not regular people. They're celebrities. They're celebrities yeah. now. So, yeah. So they kind of, it was just a two-man show of these two best friends getting stuck in an apartment during the apocalypse. What are they going to do? And then it turned into this big movie about, like, well, what if these two best friends are stuck in a place where one of them really doesn't want to be apocalypse or not? Sure. And, um <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, they're celebrities as well. They're not just, like, regular people. Right. Well, that's where the <laughs> yeah. hilarity ensues. Um, but, no, I, you know, going a little back what uh, Matt was saying, I agree that that is some, a charm of this film as well, as it felt like there was, like, some kind of vulnerable, like, truths. Yeah. That uh, they, they, all these actors were fine. Like, maybe there was, like, a falling out at one point, and now things are better. Yeah, um, like maybe maybe one day Seth did find out that Jay came to California and didn't stay with him, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And Jay was like, "Oh, look, dude. I mean, I just you're kind of Hollywood right now, and I just want needed to. I had an audition. I just needed to come in and get out, and I just didn't want to do the whole thing. So maybe that's a conversation they had that turned into that short film that turned into that big movie." Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And you know, maybe the demons and this whole apocalypse is uh, sort of symbolic of you know the walls we put up between each other and from prejudgment and mm-hmm. all that shit, like yeah. keeping our, like ruining our friendships and relationships and everything. But and they got Milky Way is like the common denominator <laughs> that we all share. Yes, um, that is true. And I think overall with this film, it's like it is making fun of celebrity culture, the the vanity mm-hmm. and um, all of that. It's like poking fun of that whole like celebrity life, like L.A. Of course, L.A. would be not raptured during an apocalypse. And this is how <laughs> like this superficial land would handle this, um, where it would be more important of like who gets a Milky Way bar 
and uh, you know all that kind of fun stuff. But I think it's like deep down at the core of this film, it's a story about friendship. And I think more mm-hmm. importantly, we can all you know we all have this in our lives where we all have our different circles of friends. I don't have and, any friends. Well, yeah, me neither. Well, okay. Well, I'm friends with both of you, so this is a circle of friends. <laughs> but uh, more importantly, though, we all have like these uh, groups and circles of friends, and sometimes some of those friends don't get along. But there's always like some drama, right? Or you know, like nothing's no. like <laughs> nothing's <laughs> like. Uh, I'm, I swear, I'm getting to a point. But nothing's like perfect uh, in some of these circle of friends. Right. And I think that's kind of what I like the most because I think you know we're making fun of celebrity culture. It's it's a sci-fi horror comedy film but it's also like kind of at its core just a story about you know friendship and the people that you choose to you know ride or die by right Uh, exactly who you want to be with in the apocalypse yeah and you know with jay and seth i think it was a little sometimes for me just too on the nose um as far as their dynamic uh that's kind of like one of my like critiques i would have overall the movie i mean overall i think this movie's great but i think i love the part with you know jay and craig robinson mm-hmm. at the house because they're talking about like hey they're our friends we got to go there you know i'm not staying here you know like it's kind of like staying true to your group and stuff like that to the point where craig robinson is willing to sacrifice himself right uh, well i guess I feel like they made jay so unlikable like almost to a, a fault yeah, yeah. Like a- and i don't think that was the intention but i agree um did the character work for you yeah Julia? i i feel like he he wasn't likable and you wonder if was he not likable a because his character was kind of made to be a bit whiny um and for us we're fans of all these other guys so we appreciate the idiosyncrasies of these other guys and the goofiness of franco and rogan and everything and he's someone that doesn't like that so we're not relating to him we're thinking that like oh this guy kind of sucks because those guys are adorable i love him and so is that why we're not liking him because if you put yourself in his shoes and those are that's your best friend seth rogan who's now freaks forever with james franco who's super wealthy and successful and yada 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 you you wouldn't like james franco but because it's it's james franco and seth rogan we love them as an audience so was the intention to make him jay unlikable probably not uh but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Everyone else kind of had a head start in yeah. our hearts. And mm-hmm. He just was fucked from the start. Right. And I think there's a, a way that you can, uh, you can, you know, life experience is like we kind of like can empathize with Jay as well because I feel, you know, there has been times in my life where I'm maybe going along with what one of my friends wants to do, but I don't really like know anybody here or, you know, you know, like basically mm-hmm. can be like, I don't really want to do that, but I'm friends with you. I'll go along with you. And I also feel that I've probably been on the other end where I've maybe went to a place where I know more people than, you know, mm-hmm. someone else is coming along. So I think it's kind of it's an interesting dynamic because it's a real dynamic. I wonder if it would have been better for the movie in general and for the character of Jay for it to have been a random unknown friend of Seth Rogen, because Jay's probably the least famous of all of Seth Rogen's friends, maybe. And that's why Mm -hmm. he was in the role. But he's still someone that we've heard of. He's still someone that has led movies. Yeah, we knew who he was. We know who he is when we see him. And maybe if it was a completely unknown or a non-actor playing this part, it would have been different. But maybe the weak spot in it was because of who he was. Well, I think it needs to be an actor because it's about him, like, deny like he hates la like lifestyle because he 
was never like that was not given to him you know like totally yeah i don't know I feel like there's some jealousy as well involved in this. yes definitely uh, resentment he, i guess i like how they pointed out uh both uh, emma watson and craig pointed out that he's like a hipster yeah and they're like <laughs> yeah you, you hate a lot of things. shit and your pants are tight it, that's also something <laughs> that's going on social media right now it's like 10 things that i that everyone likes that I dislike. And I was like, this is the most hipster, like trendy post that I've seen. Right. Because he goes like, you probably don't like Forrest Gump. He's like, no, I thought it was a horrendous piece of shit. And then Emma Watson's like, life is like a box of chocolates. He's like, no, I know what it is. It's just. And you never know what you're going to get. But I mean, that was, I think that was their way of making fun of like, this character is kind of a hipster and a little self-righteous. And uh, Dan McBride calls him self-righteous as well. I just felt like he didn't fit. He didn't like have any self-realizations. He didn't, Realize that he right. was an asshole at the yeah, end. No, right. I feel like he was still an asshole. I think that's overall my problem with both Seth and Jay as our mm-hmm. main characters, but um, kind of, it's hard to get too like critical of the movie like this because at the end the movie didn't really have like a solid like arc. It was basically like they survive and a sketch after sketch basically, um, and then it's like just kind of like the movie just has an ending, um. But with their friendship in general, I don't think anything was really, like, grew in their friendship, really, or anything was earned. And my, like, I agree with Jay. It's kind of, you know, he figured out, well, this is the apocalypse and we have to do, like, nice things. But he really just doesn't do anything nice to, like, the very end when mm-hmm. he just, like, tells Seth, like, no, I've been a shitty friend. And then, oh, redeemed. Um, yeah, like, this, yeah. like, that's the only growth. Exactly, because Craig Robinson, I felt that made the most sense. He literally self-sacrificed, and then James Franco's self-sacrifice was amazing. <laughs> yeah, did you notice that? Like he says, the ending to Pineapple Express Two is him getting eaten, and oh, then he yeah. gets eaten in this. I yeah. just put that. Yeah, I just put that together. That's right. He kind of gives away like the the self-sacrifice in Pineapple Express Two, and then he ends up doing it foreshadowing Um, yeah but it was great because you know they showed like oh he's gonna get saved again but then he's like you know flicks off danny mcbride and then falls falls back down and then oh yeah um, suck my dick fun fun fact also with that scene in particular when james franco's getting eaten uh channing tatum who we know his role in this film (laughs) um there was another scene where while they're eating James Franco, Channing Tatum holds his foot and starts drinking his blood from a foot like a cup. Um, I guess when they played that for a test audience, everyone kind of basically agreed that that was a little too much. So they cut it out of the... That was too much. Well, everyone thought that was fine, but I think just how Channing Tatum dressed up like the gimp drinking James Franco's bloody foot, I think that went a little too far. Um so they cut it out of the movie, so that's why Channing Tatum just kind of is not in the whole... He's just gone. Yeah. He just kind of disappears in the other shots. It's like... Channing Tatum was uh, James Franco's next-door neighbor. Yes. Yeah, there, there, there's a reference to him like, oh, I heard Channing Tatum, because it's a housewarming party. It's a housewarming party. Yeah. He's got this new awesome place. I hear Channing Tatum lives next... I didn't notice housewarming ne- party. Yeah, he, he just got this new house. So yeah. he's having this like inaugural party. Yeah. Um, and then they said like, oh yeah, I hear Channing Tatum lives next door. And then Danny McGride's gimp is Channing Tatum. Yeah. But they also broke into this house, so which was... I think it was house? Channing Tatum's house. Now they open the, the cabinets and there's all these boxes of things, whether 
whether it's cereal or pancakes or something, there's just like all of the boxes of the same thing. And I need to know, like it, it had to be some kind of inside joke or a bit that they opened these doors and it was all these like same exact boxes in there. I didn't know if you two and your research had figured anything out. No, because he's like, wow, or whatever. And yeah, I was like, expecting oh, like man. reveal yeah. and there's nothing. Exactly. So I'm wondering there if there's a deleted scene yeah. reveal or if there's some kind of Channing Tatum secret. Because I remember even watching that with Max. I was like, there's got to be some like whose house is this? I feel like I should know whose house. It could this be like is. a clearance issue, like the, a product. Maybe, and yeah. I don't know, but then could it be shot. That's right. They just kind of go, oh my, like, and then yeah. uh, that's it. I, I, and I guess we were just like, oh, it's just more food, but it could have been a joke that was that was right. lost there. Um, going back to the Jay and Seth relationship, I wanted to talk a little bit because we talked about Jay. I want to talk about Seth Rogen a little bit. Um, I think one of my critiques of this movie is I don't really like Seth Rogen in this movie. And it's, I generally do like Seth Rogen in most of his movies. Um, it felt like the friendship angle that we're kind of getting on this backhand where, um, you know, we kind of just see him not be a good friend throughout this whole film. Yes. Um, and I think it's funny to a degree, but the way that this movie is trying to like have, well, they're, they're going through a, a, a rough patch in their friendship. Because Seth Rogen has all these new friends. But I feel like besides the opening of them smoking a lot of weed together, um, there I don't like there wasn't anything for this character of Seth Rogen that he was actually like a good friend. Right. Well, yeah, um, you kind of make you kind of feel for Jay in that respect. Like, uh, yeah, he is different around these people. Because and then sometimes it like went out of his way to be an asshole. Like they draw the bad. He draws the bad match. He's like, well, I'm not fucking going. Why don't you go, Mr. Self-Righteous? And like, right. And after a while, I'm kind of like, wow. I mean, maybe this didn't work out the way they thought it was because Seth Rogen's kind of like. Well, it's even this interesting, like, even when he was trying to, quote, do a nice thing for Jay when he first got there and they went into his apartment and he had all of Jay's favorite things lined up and joints in Jay. You almost wonder, like, is this stuff that Jay really likes or is this stuff that Seth really likes? Sure. And he's just assuming that Jay likes it because they do it together. Well, Jay seemed pretty excited. So. <laughs> yeah, um, he smokes it. But you're right. Like, it, is it just, yeah, we know, we know, there's no backstory. Right. We need to yeah. know. And I just think everyone, all these characters, you know, even Danny McBride, we kind of understood why he's being a dick in this. Um, James Franco is a dick in the movie, but we kind of understand like there, there's like this kind of well-rounded character with him. I just thought that there was some point towards the second half of this film that it's like, there's really nothing likable about Seth Rogen in the movie. And I, I don't know if that was the idea, but that's the one thing that I would kind of pick apart. It's that I do not know why he got saved at the end just because he like stopped holding him back, I guess. I don't know that that was the only thing. I don't think this film really needed well, because he it was self-sacrifice. He let himself die, potentially, yeah. and then lived. Yeah, I But just still, think, like, he's still unlikable. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. think, think like, Seth Rogen didn't really fully learn this lesson that the movie kind of insinuated he learned at the end. Um, well, I feel like none well. of them learned the lesson for real. All they, like, still, them doing self-sacrifice was out of being selfish, of wanting to go to heaven. You know, they weren't, like, actually, it wasn't real self-sacrifice. Right, except... For Craig Robinson. Exactly. That was like, but that's how they figured it out. Yeah, but I think that's why I liked his character probably the most is because he actually had a character arc where he was like, no, you know, I finally do some good. The last thing on Earth should be something good. He was the only one that figured it out, but then 
James Franco obviously is like, that's all I got to do. Because he was the one paying attention. He was listening to Jay when Jay was reading the Bible stuff. He he, And also, let's look at Craig Robinson in like some of the other roles where he's supposed to be a dick then turns out to be a nice guy. You've got him in Knocked Up. He's the doorman. Doorman. And he's such a jerk to the girls. And then when <laughs> the she huge starts screaming, role he has yeah, she starts screaming at him, doorman, doorman. And he says, look, I'm sorry. You're fine as shit. And I wish I would let you in. I would tap that ass all day long. But they told me that I can't let you in because you're old as fuck. Like he's at the end of the day. I don't think Craig Robinson, even in Pineapple Express, wasn't there like a redeeming quality in him in that movie too? Mm. I haven't watched that recently. No, not really. Oh, doesn't he have a wife or something? No, that's his partner. His partner only wants like, I'm going to go get dinner with my wife. And then he finally shoots him. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of is is his partner. But yeah, there's just something about. Craig Robinson that I'm sorry he is the biggest bestest teddy bear in the world like yeah. I want to be friends with him I want I want this apocalypse with him sorry yeah. babe no oh, uh, <laughs> burn. hey uh, can I say something real quick before yeah. I forget yeah, yeah. so like when when Jay opens up the bible and is talking about the revelations and shit uh, in the theater it reminded me of Ghostbusters which is another comedy but oh, at yeah, one yeah. point it takes a serious turn when Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd are in the Ecto-1 Ah. And, and Ernie Hudson's talking about well, this is some real oh, end of the world yeah. shit. You're right. And, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, exactly like that. And yeah, then, you know, have a giant character at the very end, like Stay Puft. And then you have uh, Jonah Hill, who's like, he's like, Jonah's not here. It's like, there was no Dana, <laughs> only Zool, which, you know, it's an exorcist, it's but still. And that's interesting, too, because I thought about Ghostbusters when they're um, at the at the next door neighbor's house for supplies the creatures that attack them kind of look like, um, I guess, the, the terror dogs. Uh, yeah, at the, at the end mm-hmm. of Ghostbusters 1. So, yep. yeah, that's a good point. Um, Interesting. Almost wish they would have done Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. I know, yeah. man. Like, it seems yeah. like they had the whole recipe for it. Um, but Paul Rudd's in it. That's true. That's true. Um, when's that movie going to release? 2022? Oh, no, that's the good one. We're talking about Lady Ghostbusters. <laughs> I wish they had done that yeah. movie. Um, oh, God. Uh, have, yeah, never mind. We're going to get off on another tangent. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So I said we we're going to save it for later, but we got to talk about this is kind of the, the scene that takes us into the third act of this film. Uh, of course, we're talking about the exorcism of Jonah Hill. Um, yes. <laughs> so, Juliet, would you like to take away and talk about the Rosemary baby scene that happens to Jonah Hill? Something that wasn't <laughs> yes. really chill last the, night. It was not chill last night. Um, The shadow monster devil. Uh, with the giant penis um, crawling on top of Jonah Hill. Uh, no, I would say that, I I mean, what else can you say once you see the shadow monster? Well, it's when you uh, see the, the yeah. silhouette of the big dick. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, also it's almost shot. It's, okay, so it's almost shot for shot, the whole, like, thing, except his, his beautiful prayer, this is Jonah Hill from Moneyball. America's sweetheart. Uh, America's sweetheart. <laughs> But no, Dear God, this is Jonah Hill from Moneyball. Once he's he's sleeping, it's almost shot for shot. The same um, handheld camera movements, uh, the shadow, though much more well endowed than <laughs> yeah. Rosemary's Baby, is still there. Um, some Do they show a what's... penis shadow in Rosemary's Baby? No, <laughs> no, okay, no. I, so. I don't, I don't remember a penis shadow. Definitely not. Um, but but yeah, the 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 language is all the same. The 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 speed of which they yeah. they go at the scene it's it's probably it has to be a shot for shot yeah That's well great. i mean it was definitely a, 
no, a tribute to Rosemary's Baby. Quite except, the homage. Except it's a big dick devil uh, fucking Jonah Hill. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he turns. Um, that was a pretty awesome fight scene then where Jonah Hill just kind of turns and uh, the exorcism, though. Um. Yeah, and then and then it's The Exorcist, and it, it was it was definitely like it had Ghostbusters in it, it had The Exorcist in it, it had Rosemary's Baby in it, it had Pineapple Express in it. I mean, what didn't this film have? Yeah, exactly. I do love the moment where because uh, once again it's it was really funny, and then we have this Jay and Seth like start fighting again about their friendship, which was kind of like oh god. But I love when he calls Seth, like, well, you've totally sold out. And he's like, yeah, that's what everyone says. Yeah, yes. I love, <laughs> I love that. that. For some reason, that just sticks out to me. Because... Everybody's like, uh, yeah, you guys keep fighting. Like the very first thing he says yeah. once they start fighting again. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, no, keep fighting. <laughs> he's like, oh, and you said this earlier, too. Really it's like, not that compelling. Is it compelling? Is it compelling? Oh, it's really it's not, not that compelling. compelling. So good. <laughs> Because that uh, that moment is basically because then they set the house on fire. Right. Uh, that basically it is gets the, us out. <laughs> gets us out of the house, and then that's where Craig Robinson sacrificed right. himself, and then we're in our third act. Well, because think about it, how many action. how many locations are actually in this movie? We've got the the airport, Seth's apartment, the gas station, James' house, uh, the, the basement. Other house. Yeah, the other house, yeah. uh, and then front the, lawn, the lawn, like the earth, like the outside. That's yeah. it. There's like seven locations in this whole movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also with, with that, too, because I want to talk briefly just about James Franco's house in general. So, Matt, you are our production designer friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not is, just, like, just art department. Well, not yeah. real production designer, but. You, you know what I mean? You come from that world. You come yeah. from the art world. <laughs> um, We're the money. What did you think about the design? Because I think. <laughs> For me, James Franco's house is kind of like almost becomes its own character in this movie as well. And I just like the design of it overall. Well, it yeah, in like the tradition of the house becoming a character, like, you know, like The Shining. Um, I think it does great. And with the they make jokes about the open floor plan. But that's the open floor plan is is what makes some scenes work. Like when Tony yes. Hill's on fire and jumps <laughs> off the balcony. Yes. Like, yeah. The, I loved it. It was great. And I guess most of the paintings were done by James Franco himself. They like, were. For yeah. real. Yeah, like all the paintings that you know that designed it. Which were. again, a great way to save money is just have someone that will sign off for you to use them for free. Yeah, yeah. Just make them. Um, no, I just thought the house was great, and I also really appreciated the design of once they finally got out there. Um, I thought it it was a really cool look yeah. of just what the apocalypse, like hell on earth, kind of looked like. It was it was a very L.A. house too, like that very chic, full of windows, kind of home. I wonder if they did shoot that in L.A. In L.A., like just yeah. Just the exteriors. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just don't know anything about neighborhoods in New Orleans. that would make more sense for getting all of these actors available for one night. If they were to – if the house – exterior of the house itself were in L.A. and then maybe they rebuilt one of the interiors for the inside party scene. Yeah. Maybe? I think like that yeah, had to be – the interior had to be a giant set. Right. Yeah, but but I believe it still was like New Orleans. Actually, what from what I was reading, all like the one cameos basically. What a weird choice. I mean, it's tax incentives. Yeah, exactly. What a weird, yeah. weird only reason. Because it was because it went because yeah, it got only thirty two million. Crazy. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, thirty two million dollars to make this movie with so many A listers. Like, 
Jason but Siegel's so many A-listers working for nothing. Well, yeah, that was part of it, though. And also switching and to New Orleans. And a free trip to New Orleans. <laughs> the big easy. But yeah, I, and it's like uh, paying in pizza and credit. Yeah, we talked about it, too. But like, I, I love the design, too, of Danny McBride's uh, quick switch to being a cannibal. <laughs> and uh, is that, his that was, like, like, chest awesome. piece of all car keys. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so the, funny. Like, it's comical, like, how detailed it is. Yeah, yes. be just yeah. getting out there. Like, it's like he's been planning to become, <laughs> waiting for his opportunity to, be, to yeah. become a cannibal warlord. There, there's a whole other <laughs> level of funny to this movie if you look at it with, like, Matt's eye of yeah. looking at the props and the set design because there's <laughs> so many little, like, tiny bits that when you normally just watch it just to watch for the movie and the plot you don't notice those things that's what makes this movie so fucking rewatchable i love it and dude i'm so glad you guys chose this one because <laughs> i need i needed to see it again i forgot it's a really good movie and it's it very was, relevant now they even say lockdown in at one point it's a it's an amazing rewatchable too. I think that that's the thing about yeah. this movie is it's not like I mean I'm not shocked that it didn't win any Academy Awards, <laughs> but uh, it's very entertaining and it's just a lot of fun. And I mean I, I mean there's people out here that wouldn't enjoy that movie, but I think overall it can be just universally enjoyed. Five stars. Uh, Five stars. And there's like one Academy Award in the whole movie, and that is Jonah Hill, right? <laughs> but, but not yeah. for, not not for Did this movie. Jonah Hill win. He never won. No, he, he never was nominated. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, like, this, Whoa. There were zero award winners. This this, no, this did win some MTV Movie Awards, though. Oh. Uh, it won that, for that Best channel Fight. channel still exists. Uh, <laughs> do you want to pull that up, actually? I had, I had that. I, I was I was looking at if it won awards, and it like got nominated for some MTV Movie Awards. So uh, while Juliet pulls that up, there's a few plot holes uh, before we wrap this up that I just wanted to mention. Um there is a scene where they do all the drugs. Um, I, I just all thought that was... Um, and it's not from my personal experience, but taking all of those drugs, so I hear, uh, all at the same <laughs> time, is probably not going to work the best. And also, they were really struggling with water. Like, they had no water, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, on ecstasy. You I, really can't take that much... Not that I know from experience, <laughs> but you really can't take that much ecstasy well, with no water. When I watched that scene, I was like, they did a really good visual job of like showing drug use and hallucinating but then yeah just, didn't he put all the ecstasy stuff. in one soda can or something yeah because he says i'm not gonna do that he's like we well, should have drank in that soda can full of ecstasy <laughs> like, Whoa. i would just, never want to do that in the apocalypse i'm sure we're still doing that right now oh. can you imagine while like you just witnessed like like what 30 some people die of your close friends and like basically people are getting murdered on the street like this is the best time to take acid and <laughs> just really, just, I got good vibes going on. Right now. Yeah. Um, Wait, how many days did this take place over? I wonder. Like, I feel like it was like five days. It felt like maybe. it was like a week or something. Yeah. Because they went to bed like I can remember like three right. or four times throughout this. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like longer than a week. But that one night when they took all the drugs, all I could think about is the next morning. Like I get like hungover from doing some shots. They were out of water, so I'm just imagining sleeping on a floor the next day and then not Ugh. having anything to drink. Uh, Miserable. Like that sounds like awful. So, yeah, like, I mean the whole some... situation yeah. sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, so I don't know if uh, their uh, hangover was well documented. That's my, that's my <laughs> critique of the film. 
You ready for the awards? Yeah. All right. So, Julia, what are the MTV Movie Awards? Oh, because they won some other ones. Yeah. Well, I know they won some like comedy festival stuff, but like the most notable is I want to know these MTV Movie Awards. Uh, They won for MTV Movie Award for Best Musical Moment. Of course, that is the end with the the when Backstreet's back. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) They also won for Best Cameo. Can you guess who the best cameo was? Uh, Hermione? Nope. They're going to say Kevin Hart. Nope. Kevin Hart wasn't even a Ma- Michael Sarah? I mean, is that no. considered a cameo? Y'all, this is MTV. Who do you think is the best cameo? You're talking about best cameo out of a movie of cameos. I know. Um, Rihanna? Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. Winner, winner. Best cameo uh, award? They were a nominee for best fight, which was the Jonah oh. Hill, James Franco, Seth Rogen, and a nominee for best what the fuck moment. Can you guess what the best what the fuck moment was? Jonah Hill being raped. Nope. No, 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 no. It's got to be uh, the cannibalism, right? Channing the, Tatum the, on the... being damned is right. <laughs> the gimp, yeah. That uh, was definitely... Was I wonder gimp. if it was Channing Tatum when the mask was down, too. I tried to check for that. Oh. I feel like it probably would have been. Yeah. What? His mask was... Yeah, his mask only came up for him to be like, hey, guys. And then he put it down when he was humping his leg. Cause, and he was grabbing his dick. He, he was, was like, get off my dick. The mask was on. He was, was saying on. in the shot, was it actually Chain and Tatum? Actually? Oh, yeah. No. Or is it a, a I think double it when the mask is down? Well, when he's just sure. standing really? there not saying any lines. I think this is that kind of movie where Chain and Tatum's like, yeah, I'll hump your leg. I mean, I'm sure Chain and Tatum... Yeah. You know? Chain and Tatum, I'm sure, would be totally fine doing it. I'm just like, why did he pull the mask down, though? Yeah, uh, exactly. I think to me that it was the best says the that it is uh, that it's someone else. I feel like they had to ride in the mask to right. just get him. Yeah. And like he was, I think he like the first shot is pretty fucked up. It's like his ass, like he's like <laughs> up in the bent air. over with his ass in the air with nothing on it. Listen, I'm willing to go frame by frame and match it with his ass, which I have also seen in a few other movies, and just make sure that it's him if that's what you guys need. Nice. A few more plot holes that I just wanted to bring up. Uh, they break through the concrete floor with a baseball bat. And uh, I guess a metal cross. And didn't he have a spoon at one point? Yeah. Well, that was a tire iron, the metal cross. Yeah, maybe like, that was it. Um, which is weird. Where did he get that in his house? Yeah. But I think. But the cross for the exorcism, is that a different one you're talking about? No, they, actually... they, they like. Uh, they made t- it. Tied together like some. Yeah. Like, like it was like spatula. Spatula. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think like it's a comedy, but I love that they're busting through a concrete floor with. Like, is that even possible to bust through a concrete oh, hell floor? Hell no. And there's also no rebar or anything like that. Like, Well, there's... and also the fact that you can't get to your basement in your house at all is kind of weird. Yeah, yes, that, weird. that is definitely, I could see that happening as you're writing it. Like, well, fuck. Like, yeah, like how we got to get, we have to up the stakes. <laughs> it's a multi-million dollar house. Man, there's no way to get to the basement from inside. Inside. I could see if it was an older house, but this is brand new. Who would design that? (laughs) The water is like right here. It's like right under us. Yeah. So, I mean, it did take me out of the movie, but I was like, really? I mean, there's no way you could get through this concrete floor. Uh, That's why it's concrete. Um, Yeah. And, you know, there's also the part with the gun, uh, like, you know, the the gun, the the prop gun that James Franco's holding most of the time is a gun from Flyboys, and then they give it to Danny McBride and his blanks. But uh, Juliet, I know you worked on a production that used a gun with blanks. 
Um, you still can't shoot it right in someone's face. You still face. should not be shooting it right in someone's face. Um, and it's loud as fuck. <laughs> yeah. But they make special loads for guns, too, that are uh, quiet for actors that are afraid of. Interesting. For actors that will, like, um, make them, like, jump. So there's ones that are silent and just have a flash. And also, yeah. if you notice, too, you know, so the first when I saw that, I'm like, they're still shooting blanks and, like, right in their face. How like, Brandon Lee still... died. Um, but yeah. also blanks are no joke and that's what, you know, yes. <laughs> to be clear, kids, all 18 of you kids that are listening to us right now, yeah. don't play with blanks. Also side note too, when Jonah Hill is, uh, holding the prop gun and kind of like everyone's freaking out about like, Hey, don't play around with that thing. Um, James Franco's also reacting to it, but he's the one that knows that there's not real bullets in it. So I just thought that was true. I mean, yeah, you're right. But it is, it is still jarring as fuck to be to have that happen you know you can still fire blanks in someone's face like it mm-hmm. happens all the time on the show i work on a lot yeah, of people getting true. shot in the head and it is still scary you know like yeah and then super loud super right. loud well i'm overruled on that one overruled it's scary <laughs> um and then the last one i wanted to mention is they mentioned pineapple express in a lot in this movie but what i thought was interesting is that knocked up came out a year before pineapple pineapple oh knocked up came out a year before pineapple express Mm -hmm. and there's clearly a rift between jay and jonah hill but seth rogan jay and jonah hill all played roommates and knocked up so i thought it was interesting that they just didn't mention the movie knocked up at all, but yet we're mentioning Pineapple Express a lot in references. So it seems like they would maybe reference maybe the beef that they had. I just thought that was interesting. Well, let's look at the they... studios. Is it like a studio thing? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just thought that was always interesting of like, I don't like that guy. And it's like they starred in a movie together. So, right. Yeah. They knew each I, other from that movie. They mentioned. were in all People, the same scenes. You can, star, you can be in a movie and hate the person you're Yeah, with. I thought maybe a reference would be like. A reference. Yeah, know, but I think there's something behind that thinking it might be a studio thing. I think maybe that's right, too. I just yeah. thought but that then was... They mentioned everything else. Like, there's Spider-Man 3, there's Green Hornet. That's true. Yeah, um, exactly. Everything but I don't know the studios. Yeah. And it could maybe. be that, you, like, fair use, like, the rights for using... I don't know if it applies mm-hmm. to calling out a movie, but fair use is okay as long as it's not disparaging. And it, right. it could be... Yeah, it could be deemed as disparaging, and they wouldn't want that. I don't know. Maybe it was too real. Yeah. Also, and, maybe it had to. They just wanted to keep focusing on Pineapple Express because James Franco was in Pineapple Express. That was his and Seth's buddy movie, where McBride and Craig Robinson were both in that movie yes, as well. Yeah. So maybe it was more of it to show that Jay doesn't exist in this Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Alienating him. I think that's. I think we just figured it out. Yeah, and that's it probably out. it. I just thought that even like the, their references don't include him. You know. Right. But, and that's true. I just can't, yeah, so that's probably what's going on. Mm-hmm. Just, I can't I couldn't help but keep thinking I'm like they're all in knocked up together. Right. So I'm kinda interested in Well, because here's no the other thing, Jay was in Flyboys. What? what? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Juliet's got the Flyboys wow. knowledge. Did he, did you guys did you watch Flyboys, Matt? No, I've never seen Flyboys. <laughs> I know. Do they all turn into flies? <laughs> yeah, it's a sequel to Jeff Goldblum's yeah. movie, The Fly. <laughs> the, the musical Boys. version. But I mean, I think there's an argument that Jay was Jay was set up for a larger career. I mean, he was in Almost Famous. That's true. Yeah, you know, he was in a a lot of different, a lot of movies. uh, And we don't know if people chose that or sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like if they won, if they were forced out, or if they just didn't like it. And I feel like 
we as uh, regular people, we almost always assume that it's because they couldn't get work or, you know. Right. But who knows? Yeah, it could have just been because he didn't like the vibe out here and he still has his friends that he still loves to hang out with. But what if he didn't love to hang out with them? Or what if he didn't love to hang out with their friends? And that's the basis for this movie. Yeah. That they all kind of came together to make. So before we wrap it up, I have one more fun fact about the movie, but I just, you know, want to share with you all. And then I guess I think we're safe to say we can wrap up. Uh, This could be this is the end of this is the end. Oh, (laughs) Um, originally this movie was shot back in 2012. Originally, there was a joke where the characters are talking about the bad things that happened uh, that they've done. And one of them, I don't know which, but character said that they smoked crack with Whitney Houston and then all of a sudden all of them go like oh I smoke crack with her too so Whitney Houston (laughs) passed away in February 2012 so they decided to cut out of respect for her to take that joke out of the movie so then side side story going on they're in a big negotiation for the heaven scene that at the end when Seth and Jay get pulled up into heaven they're going to be getting pulled up to purple rain by prince mm. or i'm actually i'm pretty sure it was purple when doves rain. Cry. Yeah, you're, you're totally right yeah it was purple rain. but mm. because they pulled the whitney houston joke out of there and then she passed away they decided to pull off the negotiations for purple rain and instead change the song to i will always love you by whitney houston as mm-hmm. a tribute to her that's nice and i think honestly prince would have been great too but i think that song works out perfect in that moment i mean yeah I don't think that, I mean, who knows if they even would have got clearance because he's, he was notorious for, yeah. you know, not sharing. Yeah, that's true. But I guess that's maybe uh, more to the point is that's where Whitney Houston's song got chosen instead. It's just like, I, I think, think it works perfect. better, honestly. But yeah, but the, also the like, blast. yeah, think about, yeah, the blast, the end the blast. I, like, come on. That's exactly what I was going to say, because when she hits the higher note and it cuts off his yeah. big demon penis, yeah. like, that's, that, that I, joke lands i had a moment of fear when you were telling the story that they were going to say that backstreet's back was not the song that they were going to play at the end oh no i guess too and i was like that changes a lot because i remember i don't remember who i watched this movie with but i remember that damn moment where we're sitting there and this movie is ending and we're like god that was such a great movie man it's one of those movies where you wish there was more and then fucking backstreet's back and it was i was so excited (laughs) she did Uh, nothing for me and I, I thought it unbelievable that they would be excited about it. Ugh. I thought I was so excited. Like even in the beginning, like why are they playing? Like they played that song in the beginning of the movie. It's like I just don't see two, like me and Max, like jamming out to Backstreet Boys. <laughs> they literally <laughs> yeah, were back in that. That was that was the yeah. first moment oh. where Backstreet actually was back. Well, then you because they didn't Lizzie, do boys are back in town. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think overall, so there there was an original cut of this film that didn't even have heaven involved. Right. Um, it was just going to be that they get sucked up and that was the end of the movie. But, you know, once again, audiences, uh, when they were testing it out, decided they wanted an ending. For me personally, that isn't what I take away from the movie. It's all the fun parts at James yeah. Franco's house. I think the ending just kind of ends. It was um, a great little button at the end. It could have been like... The credits could have run and it could have been the end credits scene. Isn't that like a traditional thing in like 
Dollywood for like songs to end or movies to end with like a musical dance number. Bollywood. I mean, like, Bol- Dolly- Bollywood. Dolly- Dollywood is, is Dolly Parton's theme park. Bollywood. But Dollywood or Dolly saying I will always love you before Whitney Houston so we're full circle. <laughs> we got there. All right. I've been quarantined way too long. Like, you got the quarantine brain. I love it. In Dollywood. Oh, In Dollywood. Anyways. Uh, let's wrap this up though Matt is there anything else that like we haven't mentioned like you know this film I guess like how would you wrap it up like what did you um, want to let me check. I actually I took notes let me just check oh. make sure I covered everything the Ghostbusters thing was the one I really wanted to say yeah what was the Steve Jobs iPad thing like oh it was because Rogan's in the Jonah Hill was playing Woody Harrelson in the video and he's like I smoked weed with Steve Jobs, and that's when he invented the iPad. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> he also did a spectacular Woody Harrelson. That was pretty good. It's for the people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would watch that movie, and I'm sorry that they're not going to have that movie exist, because st- I would totally watch that movie. They could still yeah, do it. And it would have be been fine. done by now if they were going to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Juliet, anything, like, last thoughts? Wrapping up This Is The End? <sighs> I, don't, I think this is the end of my this is the end thoughts. <laughs> All right. So this go around that we got to we got to give this movie a rating. I think it's only appropriate right now. Um, give it some Milky Ways. Now, how many rolls of toilet paper would you give this out of five rolls of toilet paper? Because we all need some toilet paper right now. So in in a in a in a rare rare moment, I'm gonna give it five out of five. I very rarely give wow. our movies wow. extreme one end or the other, but I enjoyed everything. That's wonderful. I'm giving it zero rolls of toilet paper because I'm hoarding them for my own asshole. (laughs) Smart man. Uh, well, I'm giving it six rolls of toilet paper Whoa. because I just Whoa, like six. Max likes to make up his own rolls <laughs> in his ratings. <laughs> no, I think overall what I loved about this movie is, um, you know, it came to mind right away because we're all in kind of some scary times right now, quarantining. So once I think we all could use a good laugh to just kind of lighten up the situation. But also it's literally these ridiculous celebrities quarantined with each other. And I think the movie mostly improv but the jokes land and i think it's rare when you rewatch something like this where you're still laughing um like it's fresh yeah and I yeah think this movie is aging well for the most part yeah i loved it i loved it yeah it's wonderful thanks awesome. for picking it yeah thank you for watching it matt we hope that you stay safe in arizona I will. And, I'll do my uh, best. Quarantine and let us know what other movies that you're watching, Matt. Yeah, I will. Can I tell you right now? We may have yeah. watched it, but Tammy and the T Rex. <gasps> oh wow! Oh yeah. <laughs> have you seen that? Yeah, I was on not... YouTube. Uh, we watched Mac and Me. <laughs> I heard. That's the direction yeah. we're going in. So... Which which Tammy and T Rex did you see? The horror version or the kids version? I saw. Oh, there's versions. The, yes, because just recently they just finally released the horror version. Oh, I saw it's the on Showtime. version. With... Wow. Yeah. We still have our uh, subscription to Showtime. So, oh, yeah, you, know. you should watch it. You can log into my I show. I think that's what we're doing tonight. Well, so. there it is. Uh, let's do this again, Matt. It's good to uh, I'd love talk to. with you in general. And we'll uh, pick another movie and we'll yeah. get on there real soon. Wash your hands, everyone. Wash your hands. Stay safe, everyone. Um, Rate and review us on iTunes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, have a safe quarantine. Great. Thanks yeah. for the yeah. invite. 
Of course, and uh, everyone, whatever whatever day this is that you're listening to this, uh, day or night, I mean, this is all, we're at wall in this together, and we're going to keep doing podcasts because we got nothing else to do. We're yeah, I'm going to go come on everything right now. Everyone come on everything. This podcast right. was a come for help, and <laughs> <laughs> thank you all. Thank you, Matt, and uh, we'll see you next time when we can film you all in. All right. Later, all right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Film and You Win Show. I like movies, big, big movies, big movies. It's floating pictures, it's so great. Movies, so join us, everybody, for the Film and You Win Show. Let's get some lunch.